are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Victory Monday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Today we've got plenty to talk about, starting of course with the good from the Arizona State Sun Devils win against the USC Trojans on Saturday night. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the bad that happened in the game. Finally, we're going to cap it off with some game balls, handing out two to the offense, two to the defense. Overall, solid victory, plenty to discuss, plenty to talk about, and of course, Thank you for making the Locked on Sun Devils podcast your first listen every day. Remember that we're free and available on all platforms. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. Thank you guys for joining us once again for a Victory Monday edition of the podcast. I'm joined always by my co-host, Connor Drios. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter, at RichieBrads36 for myself and at CDrios. Also, make sure you follow the Twitter page for the podcast, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, wherever you get your podcast, we're there and available Monday through Friday, giving you the absolute best Arizona State Sun Devils, sorry, stuck on my words, Arizona State Sun Devils football, basketball content, and a little bit of everything in between. But before we get started, Connor, how are you? Do you think they even tried to block Rashad White? Because it looked like the entire game, they had no idea how to stop him. It was phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to assume that means you're good? Oh, wait, what did you ask me? I I, I can't remember. You you just got so excited that I'm, I'm now amped. I'm ready to run through a wall. I, I will say, like, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. I, I'm doing good, first of all. But it's been, like, three, count, like, seriously, like three weeks since we've actually been able to talk about a victory because we had the two losses and a bye week. So it, it's been a long time. Uh, it's The last time was the, like, the beginning of October, middle of October. So anyways, I, I'm doing good. I'm um, good to get back in the win column for the Sun Devils. We've got Sun Devils basketball coming up. So uh, great time to be a Sun Devil, at least um, with the basketball season. They haven't disappointed us yet, right? So it feels like there's still so much, much optimism in the air. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And we'll definitely have... Plenty of basketball talk for you guys for tomorrow's episode as we have the first tip-off of the season on Tuesday night against Portland. Very, very excited about that. Very excited to see where the season is going to take us. But in the meantime, we do have a football game to talk about. And for once, we have positives to talk about with this football game. And not just a good, the bad, and the ugly segment. No, 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 no. This is a Victory Monday edition. That means there's good, there's bad, and there's game balls. Even in like the last couple, you can come away from a loss and almost call it like a moral victory. Does it affect the the win loss column at all to to say that? No, no. Loss is a loss. A win is a win. But the last two games, especially starting with the, how bad the second half of Utah was, like there's been so minimal that has gone well for the Sun Devils in the last two three weeks. Like at least we can come away with this game with positives as to why they won the game. So I think we have to start off with essentially the MVP for the game, Rashad White. Dude's phenomenal. I'm absolutely going to miss him when he leaves, uh, whether it's through the air or on the ground. Absolutely unstoppable. He had runs of 50 yards, which was his long, 47, which was the initial touchdown that he had. Uh, he had a catch for, I think, 29 yards, I think. 
26. 26. So I, several, several trunk, uh, chunk plays throughout this game um, was obviously the, the, the core for this offense uh, throughout the entire game. So Rashad White was just on fire. Yeah, and a career day for him in more ways than one. Three touchdowns, career high. 202 rushing yards, career high. 237 total yards, career high. 28 carries, career high. 30 touches, career high. Across the board, Rashad White had the best game of his collegiate career. One of the best games any Arizona State Sun Devil running back has ever had. In fact, to, to a lesser extent, because it was so historically good, this brought me memories of Kalen Balaj's game a few years back against Texas Tech. Give or take half the touchdowns. But. It, I mean, very literally half the touchdowns. Not even. But that's neither here nor there. Rashad White balled out, especially when Arizona State needed him to. We'll talk about Chip Traynham and... and uh, come, Yeah, Chip Traynham, Jaden, and the rest of the turnovers in the bad segment. Spoiler alert. But when Chip initially fumbled he did not receive a carry for the remainder of the game i don't know if he was even on the field i don't remember for the remainder of the game his jersey at all no so white came and took out over and he never looked back 28 carries connor and i mean the vast majority of those carries came in the second half they they asked him to not only be a bell cow for them but to be a chain mover and be the guy who takes the air out of the football and completely deflates anything that the defense is trying to get going. Rashad White was a punisher, and it was so cool to see because he's got that build to be that guy at 6'1", 210 some odd pounds. I mean, Rashad's got that build to potentially be this this back-breaking, will-breaking, and just someone who just sucks the life out of you. He can be that guy. And he showed me that he's that guy. I don't know how many of those plays that Rashad White would have been tackled for a loss, essentially, where the play just didn't go anywhere. Um, but it was nowhere near the majority by any means. Like, he he was not carried so much by the the huge plays. Um, it felt like every time he touched the ball, almost every time he touched the ball, he was getting positive yardage. Well, and he was fighting through contact, too. I mean, the dude was just not going down. Arm tackles weren't going to stop him. Yep. You couldn't pop him, either. I mean, you, you needed to gang tackle him. And even then, there were a couple plays where he just straight up ran out of tackles. It was insane. It, it was seriously one of the finest performances a, a Sun Devil running back has put up in the last 10 years. I, I do want to touch on Brian Thompson. Uh, I, I know we didn't necessarily talk about this before the podcast, but leading receiver for the game. What I liked about that is early on, I think it was like maybe second quarter, maybe early second quarter, but... Jaden had thrown him a ball that was potentially a little underthrown, um, but Brian Thompson had kind of pulled up. Uh, and they hey, got, worked back to it. They got the deep ball going. But it wasn't even just that. Like, great to that they got that ball completed. But he had, like, three other targets, I think, that were kind of a, of the deep ball variety that uh, you just you really haven't seen a whole lot. Like, it, it, the first one essentially worked. And they're like, oh, okay, we got to get Brian Thompson more involved. Or at least have to get the ball downfield a little bit more. And Jaden was not afraid to throw the ball downfield. It, it's not going to be Brian Thompson for much longer because he's a senior, but if they can establish that with somebody else and get that mentality going, like I know we're going to talk in the next segment about Jaden turning the ball over. And if a lot of these deep shots turn into to turnovers, then we're going to absolutely hate him for that too. So uh, I just like the fact that Brian Thompson was involved. Uh, great bounce back game from the, the drop and the fumble from the week prior. Um, 
just great that they're also getting the, the ball a little bit deeper downfield and weren't afraid to do that as well. Yeah, it was nice to see Brian Thompson came out and ha- had just the, the finest performance of his season. Four catches, 68 yards of seven targets, including that 32-yard deep pass where he was able to work back to the football on a pass that was underthrown. Typically, you want to, if you're going to throw deep, and you're going to miss, you typically want to overthrow the ball. Because more often than not, you underthrow it, it's going to get picked off. But this was the one instance where Brian Thompson was able to locate the ball, track it, go up and get it. And, but the big thing, again, he worked back to the ball for it. And it, it was just a great play. And it was one of those plays where you're sitting there and you're like, that's what we've been waiting for. It was just an awesome aha moment. Especially on a night where only four guys caught passes. They definitely needed someone to show up, and thankfully Brian Thompson answered the call. Ricky Pearsall was solid, as he usually is, catching four of his seven targets for 39 yards. He was a little bit of a chain mover, as per usual. Rashad White had two catches, and LV Bunkley Shelton had one catch for three yards. So we'll talk about the, the passing game a little more during the bad segment, but the bottom line for the positive here is Brian Thompson showed up, showed out, and he looked really good. The offensive line also needs a lot of credit given to them because their run blocking was outstanding. I mean, you don't run for what's going to end up being 291 rushing yards. You don't do that without being able to pave ways and like highway roads for for a bus to drive through, let alone Rashad White. I mean... I feel like I could have gotten three and a half yards of carry behind that offensive line. And that's saying something. It is, considering my, my 40 times probably in the 10-second range. Generously. Yikes. Well, no, no, you're, you're totally right. Like, no matter how good your, your running back is, per se, like, there's always... You can always look at the offense, especially the run game, in terms of, like, well, how good is the offensive line or how good is the running back? When you played as well as both of them did in terms of the offensive unit as a whole and Rashad White, it's darn near unstoppable. So it just, they worked so well together last night, and that was huge for their success on the ground. And then before we head to our second segment, let's highlight that defense because the defense came to play. They only surrendered seven, 16 points, excuse me. They gave up three field goals and one touchdown, and that touchdown came on a short field because that was that Chip Trianum fumble that totally set, set uh, Arizona State going backwards. And that ended up giving USC the football on the Arizona State side of the field. They went down the field. I believe there was a penalty. It might have it been that pass interference in the end zone that ended up putting USC within the five-yard line. And then Jackson Dart came in and uh, ran in the score for a touchdown. But take away that, and this defense only gave up nine points on every other possession that USC had. And you can forgive them at that point. Like at the end of the day, like some defenses just tend to break after a while Uh, for how well they played outside of that drive that started on their side of the field. I can absolutely overlook a touchdown that they gave up because of the rest of the game. Yep. And I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this during the, during the podcast last week, talking about the Wazoo game where we didn't feel like it was fair to hang that loss to the Cougars on the defense. I mean, the same thing happened this week. The the touchdown they surrendered was because of a turnover. Other than that, they only gave up three field goals. Take that all day. Absolutely. Uh, Take that every day that ends in Y and twice on Saturdays. So defense looked good. 
Offense was rock solid. Run game was dominant. And Arizona State ended up churning out a victory because of it. That's going to end our good segment. When we return for the second segment, we're going to talk about the bad from the game. Thankfully, that's that's not a lot to talk about, but there's a lot of details that we need to talk about. What do I mean by that? We'll find out in just a second. You are listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. All right, college football fanatics. Have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I personally love this, and I know you will too. They're a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have ever even heard of. PricePix offers any props you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Here's how it works. You're going to pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. PricePix allows mixed sports entry. You can even take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the exact same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And we return for the second segment of a Victory Monday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Again, thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms. In the first segment, we talked about the good, so it's only fair that for the second segment, we talk about the bad. While there's not a lot of bad, per se, there's a lot of detail that we need to talk about. And Connor, it starts with Jaden Daniels. Um, for anyone who has watched Jaden Daniels his entire career, or maybe you're just watching the Sun Devils this season, Jaden Daniels got better from year one to year two. I think he has gotten better from year two to three, but not by a wide margin. And in my personal opinion, it feels like he's peaked at this point in college. I think he's going to come back for one more year, but as of right as of right now, with some pretty bleak optimism i'm not i'm not sure how much better he's going to get i, I just I, I think this is what he is um before we could at least claim that yes Jaden daniels did not throw for 400 yards a game but Jaden daniels was also very safe with the football he hasn't been that way this year i, I don't know how many it was he have like nine nine interceptions in the season now he's got seven uh with another two last night and they're just like every so often like you can look back at an interception and think ah, that was a tip ball that wasn't really on him Maybe that's happened once this season. Uh, otherwise, the rest of his interceptions, all on Jaden. Last night was no exception. Uh, he only attempted 20 passes, uh, mostly because the ground game was going so well, uh, where I think they had 39 rushing attempts, and he only completed 11 of those passes. Like, at, at the end of the day, if you're only throwing 20 passes a game, you don't have the ability, really, to, to kind of wow people, at least in the box score. But even on the passes he did complete, it just kind of was what it was. Uh, they let Rashad White do all the work, and Jaden Daniels, when he had his opportunities, didn't necessarily perform up to snuff. So at this point, like I don't think our expectations for Jaden should increase. Um, ideally, he's a little bit better than what we've seen over the last couple weeks because if he's if he's playing like he has essentially the second half of Utah up until the end of the USC game, that's not going to get us anywhere. We'll, we'll end up going to a bowl game, and if we play someone who's like decent, um, and we're not very good at running the ball. Like Jaden Daniels is not carrying us to a victory. So 
Um, at, at this point, I, I'm kind of over it with Jaden. I, I just think he is what he is. Uh, last night just it kind of echoes what he's done the entire time he's been at ASU. Yeah, so real quick, we will talk more about the Jaden Daniels issue throughout the week. Tonight, we're just going to be talking about this game. But for what it's worth, again, we'll go into more detail on it throughout the week. But I would vehemently disagree with you on him getting better from year two to year three. He has 100% regressed. His completion percentage has gotten a lot better, and he's become a dynamic runner. Very, very good running the football. But he has seven touchdown passes in nine games. And he's thrown a touchdown pass in four games. That's not great. And in the meantime, he has the same amount of interceptions as touchdowns at seven. If it weren't for the fact that he was such a dynamic runner and he's got those amazing splash plays, I don't even know if he's starting right now. Jaden feels like he's got more name value than he does actual game value. But again, that's something we'll talk about another time. Jaden has become very infuriating, though. I love him. He's become to a liability. He, he is. Truly, truly, truly has. That is not overselling it whatsoever. He He's absolutely a liability at this point because I don't trust him with the football anymore. I made the bold prediction that he was going to have the best game of the season on Saturday night. I said 250 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and no picks. Against the uh, USC defense, who has not been very good. At least in terms of yards, they're very average to below average in giving up yards, or at least their defensive side. And in terms of the red zone, they've been terrible this year. They're giving up a ton of points. So the fact that we we put up as many points as we did on them, not a surprise. The fact that Jaden Daniels was not necessarily involved in all that, pretty disappointing. Yeah, and instead of putting out his best game, he put out his worst. Completed uh, under 60% for the first time this year, 55%, only 145 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. He wasn't even sacked, Connor. So he, he was doing these kind of mistakes by his own free well-being. And I'm not saying that it was perfect protection. Obviously, there were pressures, and there were plenty of times that he rolled out of the pocket. But he was making mistakes that are inexcusable, and it's the reason and the separation between a solid ASU team and an elite playoff contender. And no one was making the comparison of Arizona State to Georgia. That's not what I'm saying. But when we talk about at the beginning of the season, how Arizona State has a chance to compete for the Pac-12 crown, how Arizona State should be the heavyweight favorite for the Pac-12 South, how Arizona State should be contending for a New Year's Six Bowl game, out the window, and rightfully so. Jaden Daniels is one of the biggest problems that this Sun Devils team has. Saturday night was no exception. Let's move on, uh, talking about Chip Trainum, who only received three touches in this game. He had three carries, uh, I think it was for 28 yards. I mean, the efficiency was there, and he, ended up, and he ended up with a touchdown. If you're talking about kind of anybody else, an example like a, a Daniel Nagata who doesn't get a ton of work throughout the game, you're thinking, what was wrong with that? Like, he had a great yards per carry. He had a long of 16, so it's not like the other two carries uh, were just carried by that one stat. He was good when he touched the ball, except he fumbled. Again. Last week, he had another fumble. And at this point, Rashad White's been your starter throughout the entire season. It's not changing anytime soon. Uh, Chip had a great freshman year in the four games that he played. Uh, started off hot against, ironically, USC. Uh, he just he has to get a lot better protecting the football. 
the, the reason that he essentially got put in the doghouse, it's not allowed that, or, or sorry, it's not so much that Herm's not allowing people to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But the rate at which Chip is doing this is way too high. So as of right now, like last week you had the, you turned the ball over five times. Last night we turned the ball over three times. Like, did we have a, a pretty solid game overall? Yes, there's a lot of great that came out of it. There's still some things we need to take away and improve upon. But when you see players doing that, you can't, they don't have a very long leash. I, I almost don't care what your name is. You cannot afford to make those kinds of mistakes because you're just going to let uh, a Washington State, a USC, anybody else you have left on your schedule, uh, an Oregon State as, a, as an example, when you're giving them those turnovers, especially on your side of the field, you are asking to lose the game. And Chip needs to get better in terms of hanging on to the ball. What's disappointing is this run and the one before were huge gains. Sorry, the one before was the, the game against Washington State. Both of those were huge games, and he just could not hold on to the ball. No, you're not wrong. And I mean, it's so frustrating because I feel like I truly believe that Chip is the best pure running back on this roster when it comes to running between the tackles, outside, and everything and anything in between. I think as far as a pure runner goes, Chip is the most talented guy that we have. But that's two costly fumbles in the last two games, both of which resulted in touchdowns. That's unacceptable. Where this coaching staff has really let down the players this season in particular, I was very impressed and very happy to see that they pulled they pulled Chip from the game, which definitely was the right decision, even though it may have hurt some feelings and rubbed people the wrong way. You're trying to win football games, and you're not going to win football games by turning the ball over. And who knows? Maybe this ends up being... What turns Chip's season around is getting benched, not seeing the field anymore, and watching your teammate absolutely dominate in the opportunity that you left hanging. So this could be a good turning point for Chip. This might be the kick in the rear that he needs to get things back on track because the way he's playing is unacceptable. There's been three total fumbles in six games by Chip this year, and he's lost all three of them. So basically he's giving up a fumble every other game. Is that a ton like, does that amount to a ton by the end of the season? Not necessarily. But when Jaden Daniels is also throwing interceptions, when you have other turnovers by other players, I mean, that just absolutely is a drive killer, a momentum killer for your offense. So here, the thing is, is like, in in the next year, there's going to be a void left by Rashad White. No matter how good we think Chip Trainum can be, he's not the, the two-way player that Rashad White is. Uh, as you mentioned, you think that Chip is the better in-between-the-tackles kind of guy, and I totally think he is. He, he's a stubby bowling ball. Let's see where he can go. I, ideally, he can take that and rebound from this, but the benching was deserved. Let's see where he can take that. Yeah, and again, like it, it, it's not like we're begging for these guys to get benched. We're not asking for them to lose their confidence. What we're asking for is putting the football team in the best position to win, and unfortunately, Chip holding on to the football was a liability, and it was going to be something that was going to hold the team back from winning football games. In the long run and in the grand scheme of things, I truly think this could be a good thing. I I am a firm believer that getting put in the doghouse can definitely get you back on track and just, like I, like I mentioned, be that kick in the butt that really gets you back on track and into gear and focused. I think that's what Chip needs. I think that's what Chip got. So thankfully, that puts an end to our bad segment of the podcast when we return for the third and final segment 
We're going to hand out some game balls. It's going to be a little more conservative. Not conservative. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're, we're going to be more generous than we normally are. And you guys are going to see exactly what we mean in the third segment. In the meantime, you're listening to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. This episode of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't had a Built Bar by now, let me tell you, you're missing out. They say it's just a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky, they're waxy, they're plain hard to choke down. But a Built Bar is soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low in carb, low in calorie, low in fat, low in sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious. And there's so many great flavors too. This month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often because you don't want to miss out. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And we return for our third and final segment of a Victory Monday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. It's time to hand out some game balls. As per usual, me and Connor have come up with four different players, and I'm going to put that in quotation marks, spoiler alert, that deserve game balls. Two on the offense, two on the defense. And like I like I had previously alluded to at the end of the second segment, we were very generous with our game balls this week. And it's not normally how we do game balls. How do I mean? Well, let me explain. Our first game ball is going to the entire offensive line. Yeah, no, so this is kind of what we were talking about, being a little bit generous, right? The offensive line plays the well as a whole. Uh, it's not always just about protecting the quarterback and Jaden Daniels, making sure he's upright and he has the ability to make uh, make throws, right? Their calling card throughout this entire game with 39 rushing attempts uh, was obviously the, the ground game. So they did so well, not just for Rashad, but on chips, uh, several attempts. So they were able to possess the ball, keep it away from USC, uh, and were just instrumental uh, in moving the ball downfield. And then when Rashad got his opportunities, uh, they were there paving the way and creating those lanes for Rashad to run through. Yeah, it's not a surprise that Kellen Deesh and Donovan West were once again the leaders of the offensive line, and the whole crew played great. Like like I had mentioned in the good in the good segment of the podcast, you cannot run for 291 yards without good blocking up front. I mean, Rashad seriously could have drove a bus through some of the holes that they were giving him. And, I mean, he had so much room to run that he was running with a full head of steam, and what happens when you're running full on as fast as you can, you're breaking tackles and you're running through contact. And maybe the offensive line isn't going to get credited with the yards after contact stat. But what they should get credited for is the fact that they were paving lanes for Rashad White to get that full head of steam that allowed him to get the yards after contact. The other thing we talked about, they didn't give up a sack. Was there pressure? Sure, of course there was. But this was a terrific performance by the offensive line as a whole. I mean, just masterful. It might, it might have been one of the best performances that the offensive line has put together this year. Totally agree. Uh, they can't stuff the box score like somebody else can or even get garbage time. So uh, unless you're looking to some deeper analytics and someone's paying attention and tracking these stats, it, you can't really see other than the fact that we know they didn't give up a sack last night or we know they were playing pretty well, uh, or at least for their running backs. That's about all the human eye can see for the most part. 
so great for them. Uh, they've been playing pretty well most of the season. Um, it's it's been very far and few between where we've gotten the opportunity to kind of harp on them. Uh, so just a, a great performance, and at least uh, in a game where they needed it, right? They they played a terrible game and a half or so of football, and what felt like an eternity between wins for the Sun Devils. So uh, without the offensive line playing as well as they did last night, we probably would not have that victory. Yep, 100%. Great win overall. The other offensive game ball we're going to give it to, I mean, who else would it go to? Rashad White. Rashad White, career game across the board. 200 rushing yards, 230 total yards, 30 total touches, three touchdowns. The dude was the offense. So, easy. I don't think we need to talk about this too much. We, we've been glowing about Rashad White throughout the podcast. We can do it a little bit more here, though. Rashad White is seriously an absolute animal. It makes me wonder, if we had him last week against Wazoo, is that game closer? Totally agreed. Let's move on to the defensive side. Uh, we got to hi- highlight kind of the, the linebacking core as a whole, similar to what we did with the offensive line. Uh, whether it was Darian Butley, sorry, wow, uh, Darian Butler, Kyle Soley, or Merlin Robertson, uh, they were all over the field all the time, making a ton of plays. Soley left the game injured, and he was kind of a, I can't remember if it was his ankle, calf, whatever it was. It was a, a lower body injury for sure. Um, hopefully he's okay to return. Uh, but he had an interception as well. So uh, line black, linebackers played Ingram pretty well overall. Uh, I think he had 54 yards on the ground, uh, which was a heck of a lot less than what I thought Keontae Ingram was going to get, especially with the injury to Drake London. I expected them to run the heck out of the ball a ton. Um, so great, great play by the linebackers. Yeah, linebackers all looked great. Darian Butler, to the surprise of no one, was once again flying all over the field, making stops. And like every time you saw just this flash where someone got to the ball carrier really quick, you're like, who is it? It's, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's number 20. It's Darian Butler. Who else? Kyle Soley had the first interception of the game, and oh man, it was a great one. It was fourth down, and he goes and scoops this bad boy right off the ground. Merlin Robinson also had a really good game, six total tackles, and just played well. I mean, when Merlin Robinson is the worst starting linebacker on the field for a game, that's a really good sign, because Merlin Robinson has an NFL future. So all three of them were studly. If we had to pick one, we'd probably go Butler, but Soley was outstanding and and at the end of the day Soli's the one that had to pick but again being generous with their game balls we're going to give it to the linebacking core particularly the three starters because Butler Soli and Robertson all balled out last but certainly not least the final game ball on the defensive side of the ball is DeAndre Pierce Pierce. I'm not gonna lie I think that's his third interception on the year Uh, it's become very very fun for me to watch him get that interception then run over to his dad, who's the defensive coordinator. Uh, touching touching moment every single time. But uh, Pierce, hit, it feels like he has just played better and better. Uh, not necessarily one of the big names in this defense, just because he's kind of overshadowed by two stud corners. Uh, we've also got, again, great linebackers, Tyler Johnson on the defensive line. Uh, so he's not necessarily the big name to note on defense, but he's a contributor nonetheless. Uh, another great pick again. A great, great game throughout the night for... Uh, uh, DeAndre Pierce. DeAndre Pierce, yes. Yeah. Pierce is a stud, and it, it's so fun to just see how versatile and flexible he's been able to be throughout the secondary for the Sun Devils, and that ended up being his second interception of the year, but he did have that 
that uh, pitch six. Oh, gotcha. You're Jones. you're right. You're right. That's he again ran over to his dad on that one. So that's where I'm thinking the the third time came from. So thanks for correcting that one. Yes, but overall, I mean, DeAndre Pierce has been a stud. He's been almost an unheralded hero of that secondary. I feel like we don't talk about him enough, at least national media wise. I feel like me and Connor do a pretty solid job building up DeAndre Pierce. I am curious what the future holds for him as he is a senior and he will no longer be with the program after this year, as is the case for the vast majority of this team. But just like a lot of the guys, you do wonder where we'd be without DeAndre Pierce. Thankfully, you don't have to wonder. In the meantime, that's our quote-unquote four game balls. I mean, if we're really counting, what do we hand out? We ended up four, eight, so five, nine, ten. Eight. We yeah. ended up ten game balls. Just give it to the team. What a win. What a win. I'm not giving it to Chip. He'd probably drop it. That's true. Chip, Jayden, if you're listening, Jayden, I love you. Jaden would give it to somebody else. That was just mean. Not not that what I said was nice, but, I mean, I, I can't believe it. Just imagine being this critical of a team. They highlighted the bad section, man. It was mostly them. You're not wrong. So the bright side is we don't we don't work for Arizona State, or else we'd get in a lot of trouble. So it is what it is, I suppose. But in the meantime, that's going to go ahead and close out the Victory Monday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. As always, I've been your host Richie Bracha, joined by my good friend and co-host Connor Drios. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at richiebrad36 and at cdrios. Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at lo underscore Sun Devils. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast Monday through Friday. We put out the best content there is covering all things Arizona State for the Locked On Network. Thanks again for making the Locked On Sun Devils podcast your first listen every day. Now go and make your second listen of the day. Locked On Pac-12 with the best Pac-12 news information in 30 minutes or less with Pac-12 expert Cindy Robinson. Once again, this has been the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Forks up, nation.